Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. All right, Parshat Yitro. Some would say the best Parsha of the Torah. I disagree, but some would say that. Um, because we get the Ten Commandments, which is a pretty big deal. And uh, and I'm sure that Rabbi Shapiro will talk a little bit about that through his summary of the Parsha. You're not going to just mention that the Ten Commandments happened? The Ten Commandments happened. Okay. And the summary of the Parsha, though that's not what we're going to talk about today. Um, the the other thing that I'll, I'll just uh, introduce this Parsha by saying, and I've shared this at Shabbat Mincha. So those of you who are there, I'm sorry that I'm repeating myself. Um, one of the things I really love about Parshat Yitro is that we get both the Ten Commandments and we get this beginning aspect of the Parsha where Moshe's father-in-law, Yitro, is is really leading him in a way to, mentoring him, I should say, in a way to become a good leader. And as we know, Yitro is not at least born a Jew. Uh, there are some commentators who believe that he may have converted or in with all the different names that we have for him, potentially at a certain point, he was Jewish, but he, he definitely was not Jewish when, when, um, when mentoring Moshe. And I just find that really fascinating and quite beautiful that uh, we need to be able to branch out of our own bubbles, um, whether that's our own bubble of religion or our own bubble of race or our own bubble of gender, uh, and be able to listen to and experience and uh, find understanding from those who are different than us, because sometimes the, the, the greatest uh, support and the greatest um, uh, insight comes from those who were least expecting it to come from. So I love that the Parsha where we receive our 10 commandments is named after a man who really had nothing to do with our 10 commandments. Um, and I find that to be a really, a really poignant um, aspect of this Parsha. So that is not what we're talking about, but I wanted to share that as an introduction. And now Rabbi Shapiro can. Uh... Here is an introduction that has nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about. And it's now an for something. To the Parsha, which is oh, what we're talking about. No. And now for something completely different. But, but not at all. That was, that was your segue. That has nothing to do with what we're going to be talking oh. about, but I wanted to make sure to say it. Shkayach. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have heard, but this Parsha has the Ten Commandments in it, but it's not <laughs> what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're actually going to be talking about the first part of the Parsha in which Yitro, Moses' father-in-law, gives us some advice, which is really beautiful for a host of reasons. And I wish I had heard more about them recently. But here we are at the beginning of Parshat Yitro. I think it's been a long week for Rabbi Schatz and I to already be this slap happy eight minutes in. Usually it takes at least nine minutes for us to get here, but you know, what are you going to do? It's been a week. Okay. <clears throat> Parshat Yitro, which has the Ten Commandments in it. So we uh, pick up um, we're going to just move through the beginning of chapter 18. I I will say, and we'll see it here, there is some back and forth about when the events at the beginning of um, the Parsha happen. And and there is there is a strain of thought in uh, amongst the rabbis that even though Yitro 
the, the Parsha begins hearing about Yitro coming to find Moses, that that actually happened after the Ten Commandments are given, that it actually happens after. And this is uh, the, the sense that, you know, the, the Torah sometimes has a, a funky chronology, which is a technical rabbinic term, um, to sort of explain a couple of pieces of it. I actually, I don't, A, I think stories are read linearly, um, and I think linear narrative is what it is, and, and you can find other reasons for things happening the way they do. Um, and I actually think, um, contra to Rabbi Schatz's transition, I actually was thinking about this, this piece and how it actually offers an important insight into how Moshe is able to get the Aseret Hadibrot. Well, I'm Ten Commandments. It's not really commandments. You know, it's the title. It's not really commandments. Right, Rabbi? Correct. There's ten statements, and really it's... Utterances. Utter. Any hoodles. Meanwhile, back in Parshat Yitro. Uh, Yitro heard all that God had done for Moses. So this is where this is the, the idea that, that like, he, he hears something, so that's why um, he comes to find Moshe. He hears about the, this great stuff that God has done for Moses and the people of Israel, that he's taken them out of Egypt. And he takes Moses' family along with him, right? There's, there's an interesting, we don't, we don't hear a ton about it, but there's, there's definitely some interesting back and forth in the Torah about how Moshe might, might have been a heck of a prophet, but wasn't quite the family man. So we learn from this that Zipporah and Moses' two sons, Gershom and Eliezer, actually weren't with them. For, for a chunk of time. Um, and now he's bringing Moses's family back to him, um, in the wilderness where, where they, the people are camped out. Um, and he says, sends word on ahead. I, Yitro, your father-in-law, I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing, I'm bringing the gang. We're, we're coming, coming to see you, Mo. Um, this is all uh, rough translation. Um, Moses goes out to meet his father-in-law. Bowslow kisses him. They they say, what's up? How you doing? They ask after each other's welfare. And then they go go into the tent. So there's sort of this, this sort of gradual reacquainting, right? Yitro sends word ahead. Then they go out to, right? Moses goes out to meet him. And then sort of the next layer of, of reconnecting, the next layer of relationship, going into the tent. Um, you know, and, and going back a few, Prakim, it's also worth highlighting that Moses initially connected with Yitro when he was really in a, a low point and a very vulnerable point in his life, right? He was escaping Egypt. He had just, he just mur- murdered someone. Not exactly a wonderful time in the life of Moshe. And Yitro took him in. And, and that was the context where Moses uh, started moving into the prophet that he would become. And even if uh, you don't have... Uh, through heaven's eyes echoing in your head as you think about Moses' time uh, with Yitro, it's clear that there was some, you know, real grounding for what Moses' life would hold while he was living um, in Midian. And so from my perspective, this is sort of like reconnecting and rekindling that relationship. So in verse 8, Moses recounts to his father-in-law everything God had done, all the hardships that had befallen them on the way. Haha, if only they know what lies ahead and how God had uh, delivered them. And Yitro was, was joyful, right? Yitro rejoiced over all the kindness that God had showed Israel when he delivered them from the Egyptians. 
Um, Baruch Adonai, says Yitro, blessed be God who would deliver you out from Egypt. Um, and this sort of getting into some of what Rabbi Shatz was indicating. Now we know that, that and, and it's all caps, the Lord, so the Tetragrammaton. Now I know that Adonai is greater than all gods um, because I've, I've seen what God can do by the result of um, what, what has happened. Yitro then offers a sacrifice. Aaron comes and partakes of the meal. So there's, you know, some, some ritual associated with this exalting and with this ritual reconnection. Okay. So now getting more into this, the episode that we're going to be looking at more closely. To the next day, after they've had this moment and this exaltation and the ritual marking of that experience, uh, Moses is out doing his thing. He's judging, right? Moses is out as a judge amongst the people. And there's a long line of people to see Moses, right? You got 600,000 cranky Israelites and everybody's got a bone to pick and Moses is the guy in charge. So everybody's lining up to get, get their disputes resolved by Moshe. And Yitro sees this and how much he had to do for the people. And Yitro says to Moshe, what, what are you doing? Why are you sitting all alone and the people are coming before you from morning until evening? Why, why are you doing this this way? And Moses responds to his father-in-law, because the people are coming to me to sort of inquire of God, right? Drash, to, to have God's word, God's will, God's understanding of the situation drashed out for them. Verse 16, and when they have a dispute, it comes before me, right? I'm the leader, so the dispute comes to me. And I am the one who decides between one per, the per, each person and his fellow. And I make known um, the, the laws and the teachings of God. I'm the one who's sort of laying all that out. So sort of, um, there's a one-man show, as it were. Now we're going to hear the rebuttal, and these are the verses that we're going to focus in uh, more on um, the rest of our time. So chapter 18, verses 17 and 18. Moshe Elav, Moses' father-in-law says to him, Lo tov hadavar. That's not good. This thing that you're doing is not good. Uh, the thing you're doing, not a good thing. Not, uh, you will... And, these words are are interesting and offer what to drash on. They are very un. It's a very uncommon word in the Torah. I don't know if Rabbi Shatz is going to talk about that at all. But the, these these beginning words of verse eight, she is not. She is reluctantly shaking her head. She wishes she was, but she's not. She doesn't care. Um, these are uncommon words in the Torah. But you know, when when words are repeated, it's sort of placing emphasis on it. You will surely be worn out. You will surely wear yourself out. You and the people that are with you, ki kaved mincha hadavar. For this thing that you're doing, it's it's too heavy for you. It's too much. Lo tuchal so so who You can't do it alone. It's too much, Moses, for you to be taking this um, on your own. So to offer sort of like my my half thought, my my mini framing for this before we move into kushiot, there is definitely. Um, what to take away from here 
in terms of like leadership lessons, right? I certainly consider myself very lucky, and I think Rabbi Schatz does too, uh, that we are part of a team here at Temple Betham. Uh, it would be very heavy to carry all of Temple Betham by oneself, and it's nice to have a team of folks. I see colleagues who are solo rabbis of Shoals, and God bless them. That seems like a lot, right? I, I am very grateful to work as a part of a team, and oh, it's important. Oh. Mm. No, I was just, not. no, 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 no. I, I totally agree. I would just say, having come from a shul that was a solo pulpit shul until I arrived, um, I think that you find partnership in different ways, right? You just, it's not, sure. it's not a team of, of clergy people or of staff people who are currently listening to me because I forgot to shut my door, but, but people who, you know, in the community who then step up in different ways, not to say they don't hear, um, but step up in different ways because those, those jobs are no longer, um, yes. staff. They are volunteer. <laughs> there are different types of support as a leader and wherever you find it, it's not good to do it by yourself. I'll say, I don't think this is just a leadership lesson. I think there's also a lot in here in thinking about what are the burdens that we carry? What are the ways that we relate to the world? When are the times that we take too much on ourselves? When and how do we ask for help? Where and how do we find support from others? Um, what's challenging about that? What are the healthy ways of doing that? And also, you know, looking at the way Yitro approaches the situation, the, the, the flip side of that is when we give advice, what's a right way to, what's a good way of giving advice in a way that it can actually be heard instead of it just being heard as kind of a tisk tisk, you're not doing this right. So I think there's a lot in there. I think, yes, sort of leadership lessons, but I also think in terms of how we relate to other people um, and its impact on us and others, uh, I, I think there's some interesting um, fodder for exploration. Transition over to Rabbi Schatz. Oh. Great. Let's do some kushiot, Renee. So my first thing actually was the emotional component of it, though his thought, the thought of Yitro saying what you're doing is not right. Um, a, I, it, it's very critical, and also, um, it, it, I, it, I don't get the sense that his only thing that he thinks he's doing that's not right is that he's doing it alone. I wonder if if there's not more to it than the fact that he's doing it alone, but the fact of the the role that he's the son-in-law, and you know what is why wasn't Yitro a part of that mm-hmm. the leadership role? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it is totally a thing of him being concerned about Moshe wearing himself out. It doesn't. It doesn't sound like that to me. But you think that he believes he should have been involved? He himself? I think he should have been involved. And I think, like I said, the way that he worded it, you know, saying the the first comment that he has to him, rather than coming from a more empathic, if he's really concerned about Moshe, you would think he would be more empathic in his initial comment. And rather than being empathic, his comment was, no, 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 no. What you're doing is not right. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I've never thought about um, the inward facing aspect of his comment potentially That's an interesting question uh elon so it is it's kind of clear to me um what is meant by the thing you are doing is not right you will surely wear yourself out yeah what i don't understand and these people as well what is mm. what is what is meant by by that how does this wear yeah. these people out so that, that's the thing that I, I i'm curious as to what uh, everyone's interpretation of that is. 
Right. I definitely have a little bit on that. So we'll get back to it. I'm sure Rabbi Shapiro also also does. Um, what did you say? I said same Z's. Oh, um, but yeah, a, a very interesting, if if for no other reason than just the syntax of that is quite interesting that um, that we would be or he, that he, I should say, would be concerned that it's too heavy for for Moshe, but then also, or I guess the, I'll use the words that are here, that you would surely wear yourself out, and then they add on the people. Like, is it one before the other? Is it that we're concerned about you then wearing the people out based on you being worn out? Is it that if you are burnt out, everybody else is going to suffer? Right. So there are definitely commentaries on that, and we'll get to them. But a great a great question, Joanna. So the low tov is popping out at me, and I know the word tov occurs, you know, throughout the Bible, but like, where do we yeah. hear the expression low tov? Right. And it takes me back to Breshit, lo tov adam levado. You and Rabbi Shapiro are 100% on the same page, so we should just put the two of you in a breakout room and I can teach the rest of the class. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So should I just keep quiet? And not no, 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 you can keep going. You can keep going. No, keep and, going. Um, so, um, so, you know, it's very interesting, you know, the birth of humankind, the birth of peoplehood, um, that coming together here, and the whole concept of that comes up in Genesis of Azer Konegdo, you know, yeah. a helpmate that corresponds. Um, and I'm also looking at like the idea of kaved mimcha, and is it that it will be too heavy, like for you, Moshe, or from you? Will there be a heaviness from you doing this all by yourself on all the people? Right. And it takes me a little bit to um, like, I think Renee maybe possibly was starting to hint at this, um, this idea, like, even if Moshe could do it all by himself, is that a, a good model for leadership? Don't you want to be cultivating leadership also, bringing people in with you um, and not being you know, so on top of, you know, running things from all the way up here and the people yeah. are all the way down here. You know, what yeah. is the model that will lead to the most fruition, will lead to the most buy-in from the people, yeah. will lead to the most um, engagement from the people? Yeah, yeah. Great, great. I'm not even going to comment because I know that Rabbi Shapiro has really everything to say about that about that comment. So um, You already said it. I mean, I just, I'm very excited that, Joanna and I are on the same page because as I put in the chat, exactly the same thing uh, resonated with me when I read that verse. And I, and I, and Joanna actually, I think probably said it better than I would. So that's why I told her to keep talking. All right, Paula and then Nancy. (laughs) Hi. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Welcome back to LA. I know. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Sort of. uh, So the thing that, um, struck me i'm sorry my postman is here uh the thing that struck me repeatedly was um identifying this relationship between um uh that it's constantly repeating father-in-law Mm father-in-law father-in-law and it's really it's in, in and that 
And then earlier on that he came back with Sipora and her two sons. It didn't say his two sons or your two sons. Yeah. Um, it said her two sons. So that all this sort of relationship through the daughter mm. with the kids, he's also a grandfather. Yeah. Um, but it just was that constant repetition. What, what, what does that mean? That it's that reminding Moses, you know, Moshe of, of this um, relationship through his wife. And maybe it's his, it's his um, gravitas. Like, I'm reminding you of this because I have some insight. I have some wisdom to share with you. And you might not expect that from me or respect that from me. But given our relationship, you, I need you to at least hear me out. Yeah. Oh, Raj, Hello. I'm muted. Go ahead. No, I just, I was gonna say, I love that. I mean, I think I'll, I'll expand that even further and just highlight. I, I don't think we hear Moshe and Sipora talk to each other at all in the Torah. Yeah. So, you know, Paula, you're, you're emphasizing like that particular relationship. I think, I think you're exactly right to sort of highlight the interesting dynamics there. And that had never really occurred to me before. So I think that's, that's also really interesting. I just want to comment on the father-in-law piece. I think that there's, um, there are obviously different ways of interacting in partnership with your partner's family. Um, and I, I, I don't have a partner, so I can't speak to my own experience, but I can speak to my parents' experience um, growing up in, in that household. And one of the things that I noticed very early on as a kid was that my parents call each other's parents it's going to sound confusing as a sentence, but my mom calls my dad's parents, mom and dad, just like my dad calls my mom's parents, mom and dad. And as a little kid, that was confusing because you don't always know like, <laughs> okay, what parents go with which parent of yours. Um, but one of the, when we were older, our parents explained to us that even in the moments where it would be easiest to not necessarily associate um, with the way that they're asking you to parent or the, you know, discussions that they're having with you around how you're running your household or the way that you are spending your money or how many kids you have or any of those kinds of things that would be potentially easier to hear from your own relative than from your partner's relative, uh, that calling them mom and dad always helped remind them that these are, these two are their parents, um, and that they were able to, to have that relationship even when it was challenging. So, Whenever I hear of of um, Yitro in this way, it's always just a sweet reminder. And I, again, I started off by saying I know this isn't the case for everybody, but in my own life, it's always just a sweet reminder for me that that your your machatanam, right, your your um, your parents in law can also act for you as parents for whatever reason, um, but can also act for you as parents if that's the type of relationship that you're able to have with them, which Moshe clearly has, which is so special. Which is particularly poignant given the complicated dynamics of Moshe's own yeah, exactly. parental exactly. history. So true. So true. Yeah. Nancy. So kind of in a different direction. Um, this past Sunday, Marlise and I attended a, a 1LA training where the yeah. readings were this Parsha. Oh, 
and a section uh, and a chapter, much more difficult, of the Brothers Karamazov about the Grand Inquisitor um, and really used both of the, I know it sounds bizarre, right? Yes. And use both of these together. I'm really excited. Whatever the next two sentences are, I'm really <laughs> excited to hear them. Well, next time you'll come. So, <laughs> Great. Putting it's it out there. Everybody come hang out with Nancy at 1L. Well played, Nancy. Well played. <laughs> Both of these, both of these, really talking about this whole "do you do it all," which is authoritarianism, right? With like, do you want someone to tell you what to do all the time, yeah. or do you really want to be part and engage and learn to be, you know, an impressive public person, which is about the people, right? And it it was kind of fascinating because both both this Parsha and that whole section uh, maybe the whole book i don't know of the brothers karmazov is 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 about you know yeah in a lot of ways it's easier to have one person tell you what to do all the time but is that really what i mean <laughs> including right now in this pandemic but is that really really what you want and so the importance of all of us you know the tr- learning and the spreading the training and all of that so that we all learn how to participate so it was interesting it was really about you know being the people and the this yeah. being hard on the people yeah I, and i love that that goes back a little bit to as an example to elon's question right of like how is this not just hard on moshe but how is this also um wearing out to the people as well and how do we make sure that the leadership that Moshe puts in front of the, in front of his community is not going to burden him or, or the people. So um, thank you for that modern day example. <laughs> um, okay. Um, Denise and then Mike and then Joanna. And then I think we're going to get to some commentaries. Rabbi Shreya, can you take this screen? I think we've seen these verses. Okay, thanks. Usually I take it off and you tell me to put the verses back. I on. know, but so I just, I can't I'm... see people. I, I am but I am but a humble servant. Oh, thank you. Oh, good. That's good to know. Here okay, at the whims of, I don't know where to go from that. Rabbi Schatz is my name. Okay, Denise. So I feel like it's a little bit problematic and kind of ironic the way Yitro approaches it because he comes in and he just tells Moshe, hey, you're doing it wrong and it's too heavy and the people and all this stuff. If it was me, I'd be very irritated um, no matter, even if it was someone I was really close with and had a great relationship with. And, you know, you just feel like, well, wouldn't it have been better for you to try to say, hey, how's this going to work? Or yeah. what are you feeling about this? Or yeah. why did you do it this way? Or just engage him in some kind of dialogue or exploration or right. something, you know? Right. Um, and then, you know, and to be commenting about leadership and doing it in such an obnoxious and intrusive way. It's like, why would anyone even be open to his input when he's presenting it that way? And I think a lot of times, you know, in all kinds of situations, people present things and then like the reaction is to the presentation even more than to whatever they're saying. Great. Great. I think that that, that speaks to a lot of, um, a lot of the ways in which we try to lead you know, today, right? We, we try to make sure that we're not just mandating certain things that people should do because it works for us or because we've seen it work elsewhere, but have a dialogue about 
you know, I noticed that you did this and I'm just wondering, actually, I'll use, I'll, I'll use a personal example that, that I, I am sure Robert Clickville will be okay with me sharing. Um, two Shabbatot ago, I was doing a bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah. I was doing a something bar mitzvah and I don't remember which. And um, Robert Clickville happened to be there, not officiating. I was officiating. He was in the congregation and uh, we got to the prayer for the country. And I guess I really don't remember, but I guess I didn't tell people to stand up. Now, it's not my like n- usual thing. I think I just forgot. So the next week, day, whatever, two days later in our meeting, he said to me, Rebecca, d- did you intentionally not have people stand up for the prayer for the country? And I said, I don't think so. I think I probably was just like going from one thing to the next and thought I had said it or just forgot to say it, or it was not an intentional thing. And his response, and this, this is what, you know, is, is good from a leader and from a mentor. His response was, okay, it would have been okay if you had intentionality around that. I just would have wanted to talk about how we could be on the same page, right? Which is a beautiful way of saying that's not my practice. We are the rabbis of Temple Beth On. We should probably be on the same page about what that, you know, what that looks like to our community. But he wasn't saying to me, you must do it because I would have heard that very differently, right? So I think what you're speaking to, Denise, is that even though Yitro is trying to do something so beautiful for Moshe, was there another way to to, to get to the outcome um, and make it a partnership and a conversation of learning as opposed to this is what works better and I see you not doing that. Uh, Mike, you put your hand out. Is that intentional? Yes, because mainly the, the things that I wanted to say were, were covered by Denise and, okay. and, and you because you, you, you spoke about, you know, how y- your family worked and, and Denise talked about how he just came on so strong. And, and, yeah. uh, uh, I, I was, I was thinking that, you know, you really have to know your, um, your children or your son-in-law, you know, yeah. in this case, to know like his response or, or you, you would think because to some people you could do it this way, but to others, it would be such an insult that yeah. it would get you nowhere. You know, yeah, it's sort of like right, uh, totally. my my wife is always constantly saying, if you say this to Zach or Josh, uh, they're they're just going to clamp down and right. you're, you're not going to get anywhere with this. So, I mean, right. I think the 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 kushia I would bring out is is um, well, how did how did he know he could? The, the idea is fine. Beautiful. But how did he know the way he was saying it would get a response. Yeah. Right, right. You had to, you have to have a certain level of relationship already that we don't necessarily hear the ins and outs of in the Torah that Yitro and Moshe must have had for it to be a successful piece of advice rather than unsuccessful or feel um, kind of attacking in a certain way. Okay. Rebecca, Joanna, I know I called on you next, but let me call on the people who haven't spoken first and then we'll go back to you. So Rebecca, Marlies, and then Joanna, and then Elon. Robert Shapiro, you can you can leave. I think we're we're just taking people's <laughs> we're just taking people's cushion out today. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, I wanted I wanted to bring up uh, two things. Um, one is related to, to what Paula said, and I kind of um, I thought she was going in this direction, and then and then she she went sort of to another direction, but. 
Um, it, it might be that that Mitchell is bringing this up in order to fix or to improve the family life of his daughter. Yeah. So it might be that, you know, he, it's, it's being, he's being introduced again as a father-in-law mm. in order to emphasize the fact that he's saying this is not good, not just for you, but, you know, for your whole family. So that, I know that it doesn't mention that in any way, but um, that's sort of where my mind went um, after hearing Paula. The, the other thing I wanted to bring up is going back to the words uh, that Rabbi Shapiro said, don't show up much. Um, yeah. And um, as a speaker of modern Hebrew, to me, those words are, you will wilt. Not really that you'll be tired or worn out. Um, and then I know that the word ayet is used. And this is not the only way um, to discuss being tired yeah. and exhausted. And yeah. I kind of like that he used these words, um, like a, the wilting of a plant. You mean you just won't have enough nourishment constantly busy dealing with all the people. Yeah. Great. I think we're going to talk a lot about the second piece of your statement um, in, in just a few minutes that, right, there, there is something to be said. I was actually talking to Rabbi Sarah Baruch, Rabbi Matt Shapiro's wife, yesterday about this a little bit, that part of the way in which leaders, especially during COVID, have recognized that they need to keep going is first by taking care of that which they need to nourish them, right, that, that there needs to be some aspect of like inward recognition of how you aren't going to burn out just as a human before you even think about how you're not going to burn out as a working professional. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to, we're going to get back to that very, very shortly. Marlise and Gary. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so just a, a comment and question. One, um, just back to the, the training that Nancy was talking about. Um, another point made was that, um, in doing it all himself, Moses wasn't really, um, you know, people were kind of standing around waiting for him and he wasn't respecting, you know, their dignity. And I, I guess I'm probably not, not respecting their time either. So. Hmm. Oh, you froze. And um, in dignity, you know, maintaining your dignity. If this is Rebecca might've been saying this, I couldn't hear that well, but my, my question, um, I was wondering, you know, why Moses was separated from his family, you know, why, why, why they came with Yitro and weren't um, together. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if there's textual answer for it. Do you know, Rabbi Shapiro? I think it might have just had to do with the way that they left Egypt. But I don't know if there's textual basis for that. I'm not remembering it, if there is. Do you have an idea, Rabbi Shapiro? No, I can't see your face, so I can't tell if you're actually speaking. Okay, great. Um, but we can definitely look and see, Marlies. Okay, Joanna, and then Elon. Perfect timing. Um, so in um, interestingly, in Rabbi Klickfeld's um, Wednesday Rashi class, we are on Chapter 4, um, which is um, the scene we're up to exactly right now, 
is um, Moses being commanded by God to, you know, get out of Yitro's house and get back to Egypt, time to go save the people. And there's a very confusing section in chapter four, where seemingly Moses is um, puts his wife and kid on the horse, and they're leaving together. But it's not entirely clear that they end up back in Egypt together. And there's a back and forth in the commentaries there on that. So that's really interesting in light of what we're reading now, because it looks like at some point, Moses and Zipporah, in fact, separated because Zipporah is back with Yitro. Moses separates, and now they're brought together in this scene. And it strikes me, looking back all the way at the beginning of chapter 18, as I started to put this thought together, three times we are told that Yitro was with Zipporah and her sons, bringing them to Moshe. Why do we need to hear that three times? And then we get to our, you know, so, you know, this whole thing also that Rebecca was bringing up about, like, what happened in the family dynamic there? Because it looked like they were leaving together. And clearly in this scene, they're not. Um, um, so there's a whole and and then fast forward to the, you know, to the famous Midrash on the Tzara'at episode with Miriam and, and what did they speak out against? And there's a famous Midrash there that Miriam spoke to Moses about the fact that he wasn't paying enough attention to his wife and that he had stopped having marital relationship with his wife. So yes, that's Midrash, but there seems to be this undercurrent of like, what is happening in this family dynamic as Moses rises in a leadership role? And now all of a sudden that Lotov is doubly interesting because I wonder if... um you know, everyone knows that a fa- uh, in-law should not get involved in the marital affairs of their children. And if now there's a double entendre of that lotov about not only Moses's relationship vis-a-vis the people, but Moses's relationship vis-a-vis Tzipora. Very interesting. Thank you for bringing all of that. Elon. Yeah, I want to speak in defense of Jethro or Yitro, which... Uh, so uh, I spent the bulk of my career working on a trading floor. And there were times, frequently, where you don't have the time to say, hey, have you thought about this, right? right. You know, it, it's, it's, I, I, I'm going to give Yitro the benefit of the doubt and, and believe that he thought that this was an imminent issue and he didn't have the time to kind of butter him up and soften it up. And, and there's no evidence, by the way, that Moses was, Took offense right. to this. He, I think Sorry. he was. I think he was perfectly fine. So I, I, I think it's it's not, maybe not advisable for us to put our modern sensibilities of, uh, for lack of a better term, a touchy feely approach to um, to what happened in you know three thousand years ago. Great. Yeah. I thank you. Thank you for bringing that. And I, I am sure that there are there are ways in which reading it exactly that way. I. I to be honest, that is the way that I've read it in the past is that Moshe seems to be totally fine with it, whether or not it was, you know, the correct way or, or a very strong way. Um, but Moshe seems to be totally fine with it. And whether it's based on just the way in which you need to talk to someone in the moment or that which was kind of created via relationship, we'll never know. But um, yeah, thank you for thank you for bringing that. OK, Rabbi Matthew Shapiro, your turn. Oh, thanks. Rabbi. Yeah. That's- You're so welcome. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I was going to, Elon, to your point as well, I would say, I, I appreciated, Mike, what you said about you know, d- different people respond to different things in different ways, which seems like a very obvious statement. But in terms of how people need to give and receive feedback, right, the way that I might need to hear something is very different than the way that you might, right? Um, and not only to Rabbi Schatz's point that it didn't seem like Moses had a problem with it. I mean, we, we stopped before we see what happens. Moses implements exactly what Yutro says, right? So whatever he said and however he says it, um, it works, right? It resonates. And I, I would also push back, I think, a little bit on how Yitro like comes right at him. He actually, right, we went through the verses a little bit beforehand in terms of this. He does at least ask, right? He asks, why are you doing it this way? And Moses, Moses gives him an answer, right? There's, a, there's at least one back and forth. It's not that he sees him doing something and he immediately goes into, hey, you don't do that, right? There is even one quick instance of back and forth there. So, um, you know, and I, and I also think that depending on how we each prefer to give and receive feedback, that in turn informs how we read those, read those verses, right? If, if you're someone who's okay with more direct feedback, this may be like, oh, great, good job, Yitro. And if you're someone who doesn't like that as much, you might be like, Yitro, whoa, coming in a bit hot there, right? Because I think um, each one of us is different in that regard, you know? So to, to that point as well, I, I think it also speaks to the role of relationship here. And it actually seems like however you might feel about this method of feedback, um, it works, Right. And so it does seem like there is um, a real relationship there, which in turn informs sort of the the very guidance that Yitro is giving Moshe. Right. That that we that there can be something else kind of built here in terms of how you think about how you are relating to these people. Right. That it doesn't just have to be um, one person and everyone else, that there can be more. differentiated leadership in terms of the roles that people hold, because that also creates different types of relationship, which are really valuable here. Um, I want to say one more piece about that. And then I actually want to go back to a question, Elon, that that you asked a a while back, um, which is the the piece about the, um, the, the role of relationship is, is also, I mean, Nancy, you, you were after scolding me, Um, you know, talking about this idea of like a more authoritarian model as opposed to a more democratic model. The other thing that popped into my head, do do folks know Eric Fromm, right? Escape from Freedom, right? The 20th century um, psychiatrist and thinker um, who uh, escaped Nazi Germany, right? And who had this idea that actually not everybody wants autonomy. And there are a lot of ways in which we actually flee from that. Um, and that the, the paradox of choice, it can actually be really overwhelming. And sometimes people actually really want to be told what to do. And it can feel burdensome to have choice. That's and what he, happened in last week's Parsha. With there you go. Leaving, and, leaving Egypt. And, and ha- I mean, you could say that's golden calf. You can say that that's any yeah. number of things, right? Having right. agency can be scary, particularly for people who have just left slavery. Um, and so I think it's 
it's interesting to have that, right? What does it mean for Moshe as a leader to embrace vulnerability? What does that do to the people? How does that open them up? And then also the thing that occurred to me on that is, um, without getting too into like the, the formal wordplay of it, that the words were engraved on the tablet, that they were harut on the luchot, and then there's a rabbinic sense that it was cheirut on the luchot, that there was freedom written on the tablet. So moving into Sinai, this idea of what is freedom, what is authority, who exercises authority, where is freedom found, is it found in choice, is it found in um, having guidelines, who gets to dictate that? Um, I, think there's a, I think there's a lot in there. Um, and thinking about that for ourselves, right? What are the boundaries that we need to set up for ourselves um, so that we can feel free? Where do we have freedom? And how do we then establish boundaries for ourselves to feel safe within that freedom? You know, those, those are two sides of the same coin, I think. Um, I was just talking about this with somebody the other day. Um, th- there is, uh, obviously, I think people can, can probably see this in me and how I interact with my esteemed colleague. There are ways in which I really enjoy pushing boundaries. Shocking. I don't think anyone who is listening to this or uh, on this class, um, but in order for me to feel safe doing that, I need to know that there are boundaries, right? And so I have a workplace where there are clear boundaries, which means that I can have fun poking at people like Rabbi Rebecca Bartholomew Schatz, because I know like that I can, right? Because there is that container. There is that, that boundaried space, which then offers some freedom within that. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot, there's a lot in that. Elon, going back to your, your question about the specific language, and I will pull it back up since it's been a while since we were exploring this specific piece, right? Because Elon, you were asking about, um, Right. What does it mean that you're going to wear yourself out and these people are going to be worn out too? Um, the Orachaim uh, explores the language of that a little bit. He says a couple of pieces, um, but he speaks to the reciprocity there in terms of what that wearying is, right? That Moshe, you are, and he, he also speaks to the doubling of that um, Novolti ball that you're going to get a little worn out and then you're going to get really worn out, right? That you're initially going to get kind of worn out by this. And then over time, you're really going to wear yourself down. And when you really wear yourself down, yes, you, gam ata, will be impacted by that. Gam ha'am haza. And also the people are going to suffer from that because you're so worn out. Right. So, again, sort of holding that there's there's a leadership lesson in that in terms of, you know, what are the things that we need to do to to take care of ourselves? And there's also just a general relational piece to that. Right. If I'm not taking care of myself, I can't show up meaningfully and appropriately for the people with whom I'm in relationship. Right. If I'm wiped out, uh, worn out, can't, can't have a tough time dragging myself out of bed in the morning. I can't be the kind of husband that I try to be. I can't be the kind of father that I try to be. I can't be the kind of colleague or teacher that I want to be because I'm not taking care of myself. Um, and so I think the Orchheim's, you know, sort of um, reading into the, the specific way that the beginning of verse 18 is laid out. I think, I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot in that. Can I just add one thing on that? You can add, no. you can add two things. 
Oh, wow. So generous. Um, so his Cooney talks to that, to that phrase. It's so funny. You said, do you have anything on this phrase? And I said, no. And uh, that he's speaking to the phrase, Navolti Bull, but I, I didn't, I don't hear the comment as really around that. So, um, so I guess I do have something on that phrase, but it, but what his Cooney says is that the word is similar to the word for to be confused in Hebrew um, because it uses a similar kind of uh, the fact that it's a little bit onomatopoeic that that you that it, it sounds like you are confusing yourself, uh, that you will um, see the association to then those two words together. Um, and so what Cheskuni goes on to say is that Yitro felt that Moshe would confuse the people because each one would shout that he wanted to be heard next, that a person wanted to be heard next. And as a result, Moshe would become confused. And this would be due to his inability to hear each person correctly. And I think that actually speaks, this is why I thought that it was to, to the later part of the verse, um, which Elon asked the question about, that the this this wearing out seems to be that if, as Rabbi Shapiro just indicated, you know, if, if you aren't present, then all the people are actually going to get bad advice or get bad leadership and then not be able to move forward in the way that they should be. So in terms of, you know, the trickle down effect from from leadership of like top down, if the if the leader at the top is not a healthy figure, for a whole host of reasons, and I'm sure when I just said healthy figure, you all thought of leaders that aren't, uh, then then those underneath who are who are under that type of leadership are much more confused, have less boundaries, don't know which way is up because they're not getting that from from their from their leader. So uh, it it what it is interesting to me that Fiskuni is is um Connecting that to the to the, the Navel Tibol piece because to me it actually answers Elon's question much more so uh, of the way in which the people will also be worn out uh, quite literally strung you know wrung dry I should say so that they just don't have anything left to to give or care about and that actually I think is maybe even more important that if a leader loses their ability to show care and connection and boundaries um, that the community just starts to no longer care um, and no longer want to be connected to, to that, which they're um, they previously were associated with. Um, the only other piece that I wanted to share was um, from Sforno. And he says, did you bring the Sforno piece also, Rabbi Shapiro? No. Okay. Um, this, this idea of you can't do everything alone. And what he points to is you can't listen to all the problems and subsequently, um, be able to then give personal attention to those specific problems, right? If every single part the bat mitzvah student happens to be talking about this verse, this Shabbat. And one of the things that, sh- that I use as an example with her was if all congregants only came to Rabbi Kligfeld, he wouldn't be able to give everybody the attention that each single person who who was for whatever reason coming for pastoral care deserves right that that is why as Rabbi Shapiro mentioned earlier in the class that is why we're so blessed to have such a big team because you you can go to you can feel like you have access in a way that you might not if there was only one person to go to and so with Moshe there is this 
really um, important lesson for him to learn that sure, he might have the answers, but the fact that he's the only one giving them is actually really destructive to the ability to be clear headed and listen to the person who's in front of you. Uh, Last thing I'll say, and then I'll push it back to Rabbi Shapiro. At the beginning of COVID, I remember we were all trying to figure out how to do everything on Zoom. And just like that Zoom fatigue that everybody talked about, and you had all these meetings, and how do you look at a screen for 12 hours a day, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that one of the things that that I'll speak for myself, but as a team, we we spoke a lot about is the emotional um, exhaustion of sitting with somebody and looking at their face for an hour or however long the meeting is, clicking off your screen and going to the next person who needed that exact attention, looking at a screen for an hour to just hear them and listen to them. And there's, there is some, I mean, we all got used to it over time, but in the beginning, I remember that by the end of the day, I felt like I needed to recharge before I can meet with someone really clear headed to give them the same advice that I might have given them earlier on in the morning. So we all need either people or different ways of recharging our batteries to be able to do this. And again, back to the point that Elon made, I think that if if the leader is having a hard time with this, the the constituents underneath the community ends up bearing a lot of that burden. Rabbi Shapiro gets to do the bow because he's been so good at it in the past few weeks. Hold on. Hold on. Oh. Where's the bow? You know that, oh, here we go. Here we oh, go. No. What's about to happen? Microsoft. You froze. Ah, there we go. Does that work? No. Oh. Mm, wait. You should just, you, okay. No, my computer's just so slow. Yeah, I can tell. There's a, oh, there we go. Ta-da! Ah! Ah, huh? Okay. Okay. What if that was all I did? That, For the people who are listening to the podcast, I just brilliantly used the Zoom filter to make it look like there's a bow on my head. Brilliant um, is a strong word. <laughs> what? Brilliant is a strong word. And an accurate one. Yeah. Um, it was funny. Just for the folks who are listening, um. <laughs> Good. I was going to cite some of the uh, uh, what was happening in the chat in which Elon promptly put in honor of this week's Parsha. I'm going to listen to Aqualung after this class. Uh, Jethro Tull, shout out for the win. Um, but there's also uh, a, a lot happening in the chat with people talking about the different ways in which um, freedom and boundaries interplay um, in society, in our relationships. And it just seems like that's, that's pinging for folks. And I just want to sort of name that out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the one other piece I'll offer up, um, I, I, I have promised and committed and just really been enjoying flipping through Dr. Viva Zornberg's stuff more as we've been moving through this book. Um, and a point that, that she highlighted um, is that the way in which this episode is actually a prerequisite for the revelation at Sinai that the language of, of heaviness is used Mm. and that there's something about then if the heaviness is released, it actually makes it possible for Moshe to be open enough um, to receive revelation. Um, And I think that that's a really beautiful point. Um, And Joanna going to the, the keenly attuned, you and I are on the same page today, 
sense of kaved mincha, like maybe it's not just that it's heavy for you, but that there's a heaviness emanating from you, that if the heaviness is lifted from him, and therefore then the heaviness is also hopefully lifted from the people as well, because we know it's not just Moshe, but all of us were there at Sinai, that when the heaviness heaviness rather is lifted, um, it makes it possible for all of us to be there. Um, so I, it had never occurred to me to think about sort of that one, two um, sort of through line of things before, but I think it's a really interesting way of thinking about it, right? That we each need to be um, sort of open to receive the revelation that we need to hear um, and that there's some internal housekeeping that needs to happen before we can do that, right? That we need to make sure that we're clearing out uh, the heaviness um, that we carry around with us that we're experiencing as best as we can. And part of, and that part of that is like letting go of control, right? Letting go of doing things all by ourselves, making sure that we're taking care of ourselves and that that's not easy and that it does some take, sometimes take the insight of the outsider um, to be able to point us in that direction. Mm. And that hopefully that advice and the guidance has been given in a way that we can really hear it. And that if, and when it is, and that if, and when we're able to um, really do that work, then that's what opens us up to, to hear what we need to hear to, to move forward. Um, so I had never really thought about it in that way before. And I think that that's a, a nice preparatory thought for us as we head into Parshat Yitro, which, and I don't know if we were clear about this at the beginning of class, uh, contains the Ten Commandments. Hmm. So with that, a blessed Sabbath to all and to all a good night. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I just want to make sure that people know that on Shabbat, we will have library minion and there's also a bat mitzvah where we're going to be talking about these verses um and uh rabbi clakefeld and rabbi shapiro will also be leading a i don't know if you're calling it something special but like a processing meditative a a gathering in response gathering what happened last shabbat there you go so that'll be both on zoom and on the roof uh here at betham so if you're interested in yeah. Uh, so if you're interested in coming to that, it's at 10 a.m. And you can either go to that and services or you could just go to that or you could just go to services and enjoy that later. Uh, whatever whatever is good for you. Just wanted you to know there was that extra option this Shabbat. So Shabbat Shalom. Hope to see you soon and uh, have a great week. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom, folks. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.